An unattainable goal of mine for the college football with Sam Channel is to be as objective as humanly possible. Now, being a human and not a robot means I can never be perfectly objective, but I can produce content that is close to that. And part of being objective is giving credit where it's due. Even to a team that is not your own, or to someone you are not a friend of. And Ohio State football overperformed on my expectations. I picked them to cover the spread. They covered the spread and then put a 60-burger on Western Kentucky. They drove through the Hilltopper defense, and after a first quarter in which the Buckeyes looked sluggish, they came together on offense. The defense, after giving up a few key third downs, eventually bowed up, and Ohio State, quarter number one, then quarter number two went by, then three, then four, and throughout all four quarters, they scored points eventually accumulating 63 of them. With 35 of those points, five touchdowns, coming in the second quarter. One of them from Chip Trainum, two from Emeka Igbuka, one from Marvin Harrison Jr., and one from Travion Henderson. Ohio State's offense exploded. And in my opinion, I want to re-watch many games from Week 3, and also go back and check scoreboards because I gotta do my power rankings, make my top 25, and also do preview videos for week four and talk about some other topics I want to get to. But from my memory, if it serves me correctly, and I'm pretty sure it does because I enjoy watching the bigger games, Ohio State had the second most impressive performance of week three. That's just my opinion. Washington was one. What Washington did was very impressive. I'd say Ohio State comes in at two. Maybe LSU had a better performance. They crushed Mississippi State. But I think Ohio State's the better team than LSU, so I'm going to give Ohio State the nod there. And I watched LSU crush Mississippi State. And that was one of the few games that I also predicted um, to be a big-time win for the favorite. And it actually turned out to be correct. Mississippi State had no business upsetting LSU. And Western Kentucky had no business scoring any points or few points on Ohio State. They ended up only scoring 10. All were in the first half. Austin Reed, after a few drives where he tested Ohio State's defense, Jim Knowles and that defense stood solid. And they only allowed at the end of the day 284 yards, and they forced four turnovers from a Tyson Helton offense that has wrecked havoc on almost any defense that it has faced in his tenure with the Hilltoppers. Ahead of the Notre Dame game, and I've been talking about the Notre Dame game for the past two weeks in my previews and reactions, because that Indiana game was bar none the worst offensive performance under a Ryan Day team, perhaps ever, may I say. That may be bold to say, but it was pretty bad, given the quality of opponent. That was a horrible performance for a Ryan Day offense. Here and now, Indiana is better than Youngstown State. They're probably better than Western Kentucky, 
They only allowed Louisville to score 21 on them, and they almost came back and beat Louisville, and they covered the spread. Indiana, I think, is a little better this year than they are last year. I still doubt they're going to go to a bowl game, though. Answer this question in the comments below. And while you're answering this question in the comments section, please remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I produce more Ohio State football and Big Ten football content, and also like this video if you can. I'd appreciate that. Thank you very much. Ohio State football and Michigan football are the two biggest fan bases on this channel, and Ohio State, I still think, has the largest amount of fans in this community. So I very much appreciate the Buckeye community. Um, But anyway, to get to the question that I wanted to present, do you think, and you can be any fan and answer this question, because I believe that, you know, we can be objective. Do you think that we can put the Indiana game behind us in the rearview mirror? Because what I've seen from Ohio State for the past two games, really the past three games, is that the offense has gotten better every week. Even though Indiana's defense is, of course, much better than Youngstown State's and Western Kentucky's, Youngstown State was probably the worst opponent that Ohio State played so far in the season. And the Buckeye offense looked leaps and bounds better this week than they did last week. The offensive line was more consistent. Kyle McCord was more consistent. The run game in particular was much better. And I think the run defense was better. Granted, I think Youngstown State might actually have better running backs than Western Kentucky does, or at least Youngstown State, they have it in their bread and butter to run the football, whereas Western Kentucky runs an air raid and has been one of the more successful air raid programs in college football's recent memory. But can we put the Indiana game past us? Because I feel like this offense is slowly trending upward. I feel like soon enough, potentially this week, the offense could be growing at an exponential rate. It could be peaking. And while, you know, for most programs, you can only get elite performances out of one side of the football or both sides of the football every so often. and You can't have it for a consistent few weeks or months. Ohio State is one of the programs who's been recruiting at a high enough level and developing at a high enough level to where I think they could have an A-plus performance against Notre Dame and then replicate that performance, maybe not at an A-plus level, but at an A, A-minus, B-plus level for the rest of the season which is pretty remarkable. Notre Dame's defense, I just want to briefly shout this out here, allowed 17 points to Central Michigan. And Michigan State shut down CMU's offense pretty well. I don't know how good Notre Dame's defense is. I know that their offense is certainly better than last year, both their run game, their pass game. They've improved everywhere except for tight end on offense. I'm very confident in that. And I think maybe even in play calling, too. Right now, Gerard Parker looks like the better offensive coordinator than Tommy Reese, which I never thought I was going to say. But it's true from what I've seen. However, this Ohio State offense, I think, is going to give Notre Dame's defense a real test. And 
vice versa for Notre Dame's defense and Ohio State's offense. Another interesting um, thing to consider, a matchup, is how will Notre Dame's run game and offensive line function, and even the pass game with Sam Hartman, who's been a very reliable passer, how will that function against an Ohio State defense that has a very high ceiling up front with players like Mike Hall, JTT, Jack Sawyer, Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, CJ Hicks, along with Ohio State's secondary? How will they function, especially on third down, against a Notre Dame offense that can now pass the ball with proficiency despite not having elite wide receivers and despite the fact that I don't think Sam Hartman's an elite quarterback still? How will that all play out? Well, this is not a preview episode, but I wanted to add some of that information and some of my thoughts to briefly preview that Notre Dame game like I have been for the past week and a half onto that question, which if you haven't answered it is, do you think the Indiana game can be put behind in the rearview mirror? As in, we all as college football fans view that game as a rough starting point, as a fluke, as that's not Ohio State, but rather the past two weeks is more of Ohio State? Can we do that? Or do you think that we need to see Notre Dame before we say that? Or do you think that the offense still has horrendous issues to work through? Let me know in the comments section below. Kyle McCord was my player of the game. The offense had an elite leader on Saturday. And McCord is someone who leads his team to victory. So far, 19 of 23 for 318 yards and three touchdowns, one to Marvin Harrison Jr., two to Emeka Igbuka. His throws are beautiful. He knows how to read defenses. He's he's growing. He, at least, is growing exponentially. I don't know if the team is peaking exponentially, but Kyle McCord, 95.7 quarterback efficiency rating. He's now rated as the ninth best court, quarterback in the country according to ESPN's efficiency metrics, which means he jumped Drew Aller and he jumped J.J. McCarthy, who looked miles better than him in week one, and I would say even in week two. But now the script has flipped. I think Kyle McCord is rated as the most efficient quarterback in the Big Ten after week three, though I don't have that list officially in front of me. But ninth in the nation in 87.2 QBR, and Talia Tagovailoa, Tanner Mordecai, Jeff Sims, Kate McNamara, Gavin Wimsat, Noah Kim, I could go on. It's Kyle McCord, J.J. McCarthy, Drew Aller, and then it's the same with their teams. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, that's the three-man race for the Big Ten. And maybe Wisconsin, just with Luke Fickle, and the fact that they don't even have a Big Ten loss yet, and Washington State looks good, Maybe they can play spoiler, but I doubt it. I think that it's Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. You can argue in any order. I still have it as Michigan 1, Ohio State 2, Penn State 3. I need to see some conference play before I change that arrangement. But there's an argument for either of those three teams to be 1, 2, or 3. And I think after that, there's a big drop-off. They're at the peak, and Every other team in the Big Ten is in the Valley. It just depends on how, what section of the Valley. Like Nebraska, Northwestern, Indiana, they're in the, you know, the crevices of the Valley. And let's say Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, more specifically Wisconsin and Iowa are 
sort of climbing that mountain from the valley, but still very far down. McCord is he's looking like the five-star talent out of high school when he was recruited by Ohio State and committed. Great quarterback. His main weakness is his mobility. He isn't mobile whatsoever. He's a pure pocket passer. Right now, I think he's like 2021 C.J. Stroud. I made that comparison um, earlier, last week, and some people got frustrated at it, I noticed. And there were people saying, like, oh, how dare you? Like, no. And in my mind, the thought process is, well, yeah, C.J. Stroud was more statistically impressive I think C.J. Stroud has a higher ceiling, that's for sure. However, do we not remember against Minnesota or against Oregon when Stroud had some horrendous interceptions or overthrows or incompletions and when his touchdown passes in those games were to wide-open wide receivers? Much like what Kyle McCord is doing, I know, but there, there weren't any, like, Phenomenal ball placements that just beat elite coverage in either of those games. At least very few of them. It was all schematics, scheming, Smith and Jigba, Wilson, Alave, scheming them wide open, Jeremy Ruckert, etc. for Stroud in 2021. But it was after that Akron game where he was rested and McCord actually started where he really came alive against Rutgers. I remember that. I think I picked Rutgers to play Ohio State close, but still lose, and Stroud just came out and destroyed Rutgers through the air, and Ohio State just destroyed Rutgers, period, amen. For Kyle McCord, I think he's progressing in a similar way to Stroud did in 2021. I think he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the nation at the end of the year, probably by the middle of the year, Honestly, the difference between him and Stroud, again, is Stroud's more mobile. I think Stroud has a higher ceiling, um, has a better grasp of the game and of Ryan Day's system. He also was, in my opinion, in a more quarterback-friendly system. Ohio State in 2021 was the most pass-heavy Ohio State team we have all known, some of us potentially in our lifetimes, though I don't know if that's correct for sure, but I know Urban Meyer... And then Luke Fickle, Jim Tressel, they certainly preferred to run the ball more and also took better care of their defense on average than Ryan Day did, who's loved to air it out, sometimes disregard the defense, though I think he's fixing that still along with Jim Knowles. But we're talking about history here and what we've seen in their tenures. Stroud was in a more quarterback-friendly system that loved to pass the ball as much as possible and run situationally. Now... Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, Justin Fry, they want to run the football more and be more physical and also have a better defense. So that means that Kyle McCord is going to have less attempts. The game is going to be less on him. And you saw that against not only Western Kentucky, but against Youngstown State. He didn't even have 25 passing attempts in either of those games. Now, Youngstown State was because Devin Brown got several pass attempts as well. However, even against Indiana, Ohio State had 33 passing attempts with McCord, three with Devin Brown, and they had 31 rushing attempts when their offensive line wasn't having a good day and they were struggling to run the football. It's very clear to me that Ryan Day and the Buckeyes, they want to run. They had 33, had 33 rushing attempts in this game. And they averaged 
over five yards per carry. In fact, over six yards per carry. They averaged 6.2 yards per carry. They had three rushing touchdowns and 204 rushing yards. Ohio State is a scary rushing attack. Kyle McCord was my player of the game solely because when you have 300 passing yards on less than 25 attempts, that means you're you're being accurate. You have a great deep ball, and he's hitting his receivers. He's finding Smith and Jigba. Not Smith and Jigba, but <laughs> that's funny. He's finding Ibuka, and he's finding Marvin Harrison Jr., and he's finding Cade Stover, and everyone that he can for big gains. Also, Carnell Tate got action in this game, which was a pretty cool sight to see. It was funny, I think, that I mentioned Smith and Jigba. I think it's because I saw him very briefly playing with the Seattle Seahawks against the Lions. We did not get to see college Smith and Jigba much if at all, in 2022, which was sad because he was dealing with nagging injuries. This is very unfortunate. If Smith and Jigba played for Ohio State in 2022, I don't know how different the outcome would have been, but there's a potential that it could have been different. Regardless, though, the past is in the past. I just, I love great players, and Smith and Jigba's a great player. And there are great players currently on Ohio State, like Marvin Harrison Jr., and Emeka Igbuka. That wide receiver room is deep, and I will always remember those players. Always. I mean, that's what, what are great players and elite players for. You remember them, you reference them, and they win you games, sometimes single-handedly. Marvin Harrison Jr. carried Ohio State against Youngstown State. That may sound sad to a certain degree, However, he's the strength of the team, so feed him feed him the football. Same with Igbuka, same with Carnell Tate, same with Julian Fleming. That's the strength of Ohio State football right now is that wide receiver core. And I think as Kyle McCord continue, continues to mature, he can become a strength of the football team. When he was viewed as a liability, let's say, against Indiana and at early points against Youngstown State and even Western Kentucky. Let's talk about the Hilltoppers, and then we'll get back to the Buckeyes. Western Kentucky tested Ohio State's offensive line, and they also tested their defense. Pardon me. Early in the game, it was 7-3, to Ohio State. That was the end of the first quarter. Now, I was watching this while also watching some other, some other games, like South Carolina, Georgia, and... Alabama, South Florida, and also while watching, I think the end of Penn State, Illinois was going on potentially for this game, but I was watching this game along with others because Ohio State facing off against Western Kentucky is a gimme. Meanwhile, a lot of other 330 games, Minnesota UNC was actually the game I was watching the most. Those games were going to be more of battles anyway, and Minnesota UNC I previewed, and I wanted to watch it because it's a Big Ten team taking on what I thought was an overrated ACC team, but they're actually good. And anyway, my prediction for that game was wrong, UNC 131-13. But anyway, I was able to watch this game and, and you know, keep my eyes on it for a while. And then I rewatched the highlights and the film, of course, earlier this morning. Western Kentucky was keeping it close, and Ohio State looked sluggish, and at points, I'm thinking in my mind, like, this is pathetic. To have this much talent, and then to struggle 
against Western Kentucky is it's sad. It, it's straight up sad. But at the end of the day, Ohio State pulled away. And I went very quickly from thinking there might be something very wrong with this team to, holy cow, give them a few minutes or give them a quarter and they explode. That's why you don't overreact to a quarter or even a half of a game. That's a lesson for, let's say, the Michigan Bowling Green game, where people were overreacting to the full game and then also overreacting at halftime. And I said to some of my friends who are Michigan fans, I'm frustrated. My team has no business only being up eight against a Mac school. However, when you look at the plays and when you keep perspective, A, there's no way we're losing. And B, this is probably closer to a flukish performance than an indication of major issues. That's, so, that's what I view Ohio State's performance against Indiana right now in answering to the question that I asked of you all earlier is I think right now it's closer to a fluke than being an indication of major problems. Now, the offensive line needs work. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And for Michigan, McCarthy needs to not force things and play calling need, and play calling needs work because I think Michigan needs to run it more if they want to have more success. But Western Kentucky, we have to give them credit where it's due. They had a sack, two tackles for loss, and a pass defended, along with 58 total tackles, 40 of them being solo. And when you when you look at Western Kentucky and what they did, they got a forced fumble, a fumble recovery against Kyle McCord. They were able to make him uncomfortable early. And they slowed down Ohio State's offense into forcing Ryan Day and Brian Hartline into making decisions on whether they were going to kick a field goal on fourth down, go for it on fourth down and attempt to convert. So they they made Ohio State coach. They didn't just let the Buckeyes run and pass all over them initially. They tried to put up a fight. They tested Ohio State's offensive line and defense, as I've said, and early on they were converting on third down. But Ohio State responded. At the end of the day, if you didn't watch this game and just looked at the stat sheet, Western Kentucky was 3 of 15 on third down. They were 3 of 6 on fourth down. They didn't even have 300 total yards, and they only rushed for 2.4 yards per rush, and they had two picks, two fumbles. You probably would have thought to yourself that Ohio State just had a very slow opening drive where they chewed clock and then punched it in, and then Western Kentucky marched down for a field goal. You might have thought to yourself that Ohio State had a purely efficient day. Well, they didn't. But that's part of what, A, makes Western Kentucky's performance somewhat admirable, but also, B, shows that Ohio State is learning and growing. They didn't have the perfect start. Not everything was together. They didn't have ideal chemistry, communication, performance. I mean, when your offensive tackle lets you get sacked in a big hit and you give up the ball, that can be a momentum-altering play. But Ohio State still won by 53 points. The Hilltoppers were simply outmatched. Austin Reed was impressive. He actually had his most efficient game so far this year. He has 796 passing yards, seven passing touchdowns, and only one interception that he actually threw against the Buckeyes 
just yesterday. So Western Kentucky, the losers, we talk about them first. They, by my knowledge, yeah, they move on to being 2-1. and one. Ohio State moves on to be 3-0, and oh, and we save on this channel the best for last. The offense hummed through the air and on the ground, and Ohio State has an elite running back room. Chip Tranum's 40-yard run was absolutely beautiful. One play, 40 yards. He's he's the Swiss Army knife back. He's the do-it-all back. He, he gives you the ideal combination between Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. I think that in bigger games against Notre Dame, Penn State, I'd say especially Michigan, I think against Michigan and Chip Trainum played against Michigan last year as their primary running back for the Buckeyes, and he did well. I don't know why Ohio State didn't run him more. It was a weird game plan when it came to Michigan last year for Ohio State and how they treated their running back room and also some of the other plays that they called. But especially against a defense like Michigan, Michigan right now I think has the number one defense in America. I said that in the preseason, and they haven't played anyone but most teams haven't played anyone, and Michigan is second in total yards allowed, and they're first in points allowed per game. And they can pick you off, they can deflect your pass, they can make acrobatic moves in the secondary, and that's without their two best secondary players and Rod Moore and Will Johnson for much of those three games being an impact. Their linebacker core is vicious, Chris Jenkins is what his nickname suggests, He's a mutant at defensive tackle and is going to be a first-round pick. Against that defense, you cannot have a boomer-bust running back like Henderson, who's fast, he's healthy, he's elite, and I love Travion Henderson. I do. But Chip Trainum gives you, along with Mayan Williams, who's now clearly running back number three and will probably start next year or him and Trainum will be competing for that job as they both have one extra year of eligibility left. And Henderson will likely be gone for the draft after this year. But Trainum and Williams give you a power ability that I don't think Henderson has. And Ohio State's offensive line had some plays in this game. Henderson, for example, I think it was his 21-yard run, I believe, where he, he went to the outside and he got a big run. I think it was a touchdown, but correct me if I'm wrong. If that play was ran, that stretch play was called and executed against Penn State, who has faster, bigger defensive ends, that's a three- or four-yard loss play. Ohio State's tackle, um, Josh Simmons, was barely holding on against a Western Kentucky defensive end. Ohio State right now, especially with their tackles, are not built for stretch. They can run it, and they will run it when they think it's situationally appropriate, but they're not built for it. And against Penn State and Michigan, for sure, I think stretch could be suicide against those defenses. And potentially against Notre Dame, they have fast, all-American caliber linebackers, and their secondary is good. And they're probably going to use blitzes from secondary and also from their front seven, front six, whatever formation they run. But I think Ohio State's good with power O-line. They're good up the interior. And Trainum has speed. He has elusiveness. He can find holes, but he can also just truck you for two, three, four yards. 
And that's hard to stop. It's also annoying. Take it from the Michigan fan who watches his team do this to other teams. It's funny. It's funny to watch because you aren't running style points. You're not trying to blow out the opponent, but you're breaking their defense down and there is nothing they can do to stop it. Run for four yards, second and six, third and two. Let's say they get lucky and now it's fourth and one. Oh, well, we'll just run the same play over again and and you can't stop us. And five-yard gain, fourth and one converted. And then with McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr., you can go play action and just behead any defense that you face after you run enough. This offense is dangerous through and throughout. It's incredible. And I think that it is rounding into shape at the right time. Because, again, what I said about the running back room isn't a knock on Henderson. I just don't think with the offensive line that he has and the defenses that he faces that he is going to be by far and away the most impactful running back. He's probably the best running back on the team. He'll end up being the most impactful as the season ends. But don't let Trainum and even Williams fade, fade away into the distance. They're useful. They're great players. They're great men, intelligent. This running back room is one of the best in the nation as of right now. It's, it's phenomenal. There are three near elite to elite at worst great running backs. And that's not even including Dallin Hayden, who had 500 rushing yards last year. The defense also stepped up, which is good for Ohio State. Hailed Western Kentucky to 3 of 15 on third down. They had two sacks, eight tackles for loss, six passes defended, and they had an impressive performance when it came to defensive touchdowns. They had a 58-yard interception return, and then Tyleek Williams had a fumble return for a touchdown as well. So the defense made some explosive plays, and that's good to get the players hyped up. I imagine that gives Jim Knowles confidence heading into South Bend, where Sam Hartman, I think a lot of it's gimmick, and we'll talk about that in this preview, but those stats are nonetheless intimidating. Even if you think that they overrepresent his ability and his offense's ability, Ohio State will be facing the best offense so far all year, and vice versa for Notre Dame. So that will be a great game. Uh, that will probably be the first preview video I release along with Penn State, Iowa, since those are the biggest Big Ten games. So stay tuned. Remember to hit the notification bell and subscribe to the channel so you can join this awesome community as we're trying to reach 20,000 subscribers by the end of the season. I want to give a quick shout out to my patrons, All-American Spencer Bringhurst, and then All-Conference Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale. Thank you so much for supporting this channel. Check out my Patreon page via the link in the description if you haven't already. And comment your thoughts on this game and an early prediction for the Notre Dame game down below. Do you think that Ohio State, where do you think they are in the Big Ten? Tell me all of your thoughts on Ohio State football down below. And thank you so much for watching. Have a great night, guys.